Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Typically on this show, we invite people who don't know each other to have lunch. We hope they'll have something in common, and we hope they'll get along. I don't have to worry about any of that today. My lunch guests have a lot in common, and they're friends. Charles Fenstermaker is Chief Financial Officer at CH Fenstermaker & Associates, a consulting firm that specializes in surveying, mapping, engineering, environmental services and advanced technology. Even if you don't know what the company actually does, you probably simply know it as Fenstermaker because you've seen the name around here since 1950. That's the year that another Charles Fenstermaker founded the company. Charles, you're the fourth generation Fenstermaker to be part of the family business. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Blaise Zuschlag is Chief of Staff at Acadian Companies, which you probably know from their flagship business, Acadian Ambulance. The company was founded in 1971 by Richard Zuschlag, Blaise's father, with two ambulances. Today, the company has 4,400 employees in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas, and has six divisions that include air ambulance, helicopters, an executive aircraft charter service, a safety management system for the oil and gas industry. Acadian Companies is consistently one of the highest revenue producers in Louisiana. Blaze, welcome to Out to Lunch. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Charles and Blaze, most of our listeners are pretty smart, but you don't have to be a genius to find out that what you both have in common is that you've both stepped into management of your family business. Although it's a position of privilege, it's far from a career devoid of problems. At first glance, it might be easy to regard these as what we call first world problems, but in point of fact, they're serious. Thousands of real people's lives and livelihoods depend on both of you being able to take over and run these companies. So let me start by asking you both this. When you were born, if the hospital had gotten you mixed up and Charles, you'd been sent home with Blaze's parents and Blaze, you'd been mistakenly given to Charles's parents, if you'd grown up in each other's households do you think you'd be equally qualified to take over each other's companies I think I'd be the tallest one in the Zuzog family <laughs> I'm not positive of that but uh, <laughs> uh, short answer to that is I think business is business and I think if you were to switch families and switch roles I think it's, it's more of the learning the business the business mind so I think all things being equal or or switched in this scenario would be Probably it, it would be the same. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, living in South Louisiana, I think we both probably come from families that uh, instilled values in us uh, at a young age. And so uh, the value system that we have, I think, would put us in a similar position. It didn't matter what company, but that love and respect you have for your family and the, and the employees you work with every day. And the values that you have in the family are the same as the ones that you have in the business? I would agree. I would think so. Yes. What's it like growing up? Was there an expectation that you would go into the family business or did you want to run away to the circus? I'd say I didn't start down the path of wanting to be in the family business. I actually uh, started out in college uh, in architecture. I got to the first math and said, <laughs> <laughs> architecture is not for me. Um, 
that evolved actually into business and management. And, and business math makes more sense to you? Business math, to me, you were solving for something, not X. And that, that helped my mind, I guess. So um, that's kind of how it evolved to But me. if you'd wanted to be an architect, the family were fine with that? Yes, uh, there was no pressure from the family to want to be in the family business. So, yeah. I think for me, um, you know, my father, when he started the company, uh, he was extremely busy growing the company. And so, uh, and then I have... Uh, an older twin brother and twin sister and so and they're close in age and so Sorry, my for mother me, I thought you said an older twin brother and you were going to pause and I was confused by no, having an older twin no, brother it's, they I have two siblings they're twins my brother and my sister but we're closer in age so there's a lot of constraints on time for my parents and so it's funny because uh, I remember uh, you know logistics of getting all of us to our different extracurricular activities it wouldn't be uncommon for me to hop on an ambulance that was uh, on its way back to the hospital to go to my baseball practice or uh, get a supervisor to pick me up after practice to bring me back home and then get a 911 call and have to respond so I guess I grew up in the business um, I worked in the summers uh, washing tents working in the fleet department um, working in the IT department but when I went to college, I really wanted to become a doctor, and there was no pressure, like the question you had for him. There was no pressure for me ever to come back into Acadian Ambulance. However, uh, similar to him, whenever I started college and I did the uh, pre-med majors, and I didn't like the bio biologies and the chemistries and a lot of those subjects, and I really liked the business classes, so I just kind of made a pivot. So I went to LSU, I came back and worked, I did an internship for two years at Acadian Ambulance, and then I went back and got my MBA at Tulane. Graduated in 2010, uh, I worked for J.P. Morgan Chase as an associate uh, in their asset management division for about three years, and it was a good experience for me to work for such a large organization as J.P. Morgan Chase, 260,000 employees. Um, I, I learned a lot. They have a really good training program, um, and I really valued my time there, but I was always called to kind of come back to the, to the family business. You never answered, would I be the tallest Zuschlag? You would I, be the tallest okay. Zuschlag, because I am the tallest Zuschlag, and you're taller than me. So. so what are the advantages and disadvantages of having a family business? Like, as a, a person going in every day to that business, what what's different because of your family name? I think the, the advantage is it's your family. The disadvantage sometimes, and, and not in a negative way, but, but it's your family. So you're mixing business, and I've got to go home and, and celebrate Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, holidays with the people I work with. So uh, it, it just adds a dynamic, which actually, to some degree, I, I kind of like. Uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy the, a little bit of the psychology of it, if that makes sense. And, and that's what drew me to business was... Uh, Business is a little bit of psychology, it's a little bit of finance, and a little bit of um, legal, if that. So you get a good kind of spectrum of involvement. So, But I would say that's, to me, high level. It is, it's a family business. You get to work with your family, which has its perks, and sometimes it has its interesting challenges. So, I would agree. Um, I think that people, when you go into the family business, other management inside the organization tends to look at you through a different lens. Um, and that can be a good thing um, if, you, if you hone that right. If you, do you feel that you have to prove yourself more? You, you, you kind of do. You need to uh, be visible and you need to have the right value set. Um, and that's, that's the most important to, to thing to me is that 
you know, I really want to see the legacy of Acadian Amulets continue to grow and thrive. And I put that first, and then I let my work and everything else kind of tell the rest of the story about me and what my motives are. Um, but back to his point, you know, you do have the family activities and all the stuff outside the business. And when, you, when I work for my father, uh, he can somewhat be a perfectionist, and so he wants to see me be perfect. So that does drive me harder, which is good, you know, in terms of the rest of the company seeing me in a favorable light but um, sometimes it can be difficult he likes things done a certain way I like to do things a different way um, do I you have that same perfectionist streak I'm not perfect um, I try to be I try to be better be honest. I try be, and be better be honest, we both look shocked at that I try and be better um, you know we it's impossible to be perfect, but trying. But you're to, driven to be a perfectionist. But you, but I think you, he's saying yes to this, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I would like to. I would like to do everything, and I'd like to do it. Very I'll well. tell you, just off the came to my head. One of the challenges with the family businesses growing up in it, you you always had at least two bosses. You had your boss, boss, your supervisor, and then you had, in my case, dad watching that I did everything per his uh, standards as well. So it was an interesting challenge. Um, but a good one. But again, it was that's something that always stuck out of me is people think, oh, you're with your family and it's a family business. And that's 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 awesome. There are challenges. And one of them is you, you're going to have two bosses at least. So and that your that. dad is also your boss is always that yes. challenge. So let's talk about what what does your day actually look like a typical day in each of your lives? What do you do? So for me, um, our kids are in school. I have three young kids. I have a five, a three, and a two-year-old. Um, my wife was a career woman until we had our third child, and now she, I don't call it a stay-at-home mom because it really is a yes, lot of work. Yes, it's a career. It. Yes. On Mondays and Tuesdays are busier days of the week, so I usually, uh, I usually get to the office around 7.15, 7.30 a.m. Uh, we have standing meetings on Mondays. We have Tuesdays. We have important, uh, important issues meetings, and then the rest of the week is either travel if I'm if if I'm doing that that week or other meetings and then all that in between, managing the logistics of my dad's crazy and hectic schedule. Um, but I'd say yeah, the typical day is get to the office early, seven fifteen, organize the day. I have to try and help my dad stay. I, I I think my primary function now, as it is today, is to turbocharge him, take all the details and all the the scheduling and the meetings that he has to do and take a lot of that away from him so that he can really focus on what's strategically important to us for growth and other things, all the while spending a lot of time with him, learning from him. Um, so, yeah, my, my typical day varies by the weekday or whatever, whichever day it might be, but it usually includes travel to New Orleans, uh, up to Monroe, uh, over to Houston, or being around the office, handling meetings on his behalf, getting him organized, handling all of his detail work. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Blaise Zuslag from Acadian Companies and Charles Fenstermaker from Fenstermaker. Charles, what does your typical day look like? Uh, I typically get to the office. Actually, I, I used to typically get to the office around 7.30. Lately, my, uh, my oldest son just started school with Blaze's son. And they're, so they're in the same grade. <laughs> so, we so see now each other in the drop-off line. That's another thing that I'm doing now is dropping yeah. my kids off. Drop offline, drop, drop drop my son off at school, uh, get to the office, look at a few emails. I'm, a, I'm kind of a social person, so I have a hard time also a little on the ADD side, if that makes sense. 
so do a lot of visiting with, uh, obviously I oversee accounting and I oversee HR, so I, I deal with those issues and work with those people. But I do enjoy still getting out and working with our various operations and having conversations with them. Uh, some of that is still, honestly, I'm still learning the business in certain certain aspects. So, um, And then lately I get home, get the kids to bed, and then open my laptop and actually do the work that I was supposed to do from 8 to 5. <laughs> we all have those days. Responding to the emails and all that good and stuff. And your wife has one of the coolest jobs ever, <laughs> right? Do we yes. have to talk about this? <laughs> She's a giraffe trainer? Yes, my wife uh, works for Zuziana. Um, she is the currently uh, the giraffe trainer. And what, what, do you, what does she, tra- I know this isn't about her, but what does she tra- train the giraffes to do? I didn't know they <laughs> had to be trained. So I'll take a quick step back. She started as, a, uh, a, a, as an intern just or as a, a volunteer. She loves animals, so it was really awesome to see that she got that opportunity. Uh, started doing the zoo live show, which is bring out the animals for the kids, and you show them and you make fun stories about them and let them pet them and all that good stuff. So she's gotten to work with anything from a possum, a snake, an owl. She flies their owl named Douglas. Uh, really, really cool job. This is the best um, job ever. Then she went on, and I think they were looking for somebody to train the giraffes to, and, and I'm a novice at this, but uh, put their hooves out so that she could do hoof care. Ah, so of course. That was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, right, so right, Blaise? Uh, she's training them for hoof care, I believe, and I could be saying that totally wrong, but I think... It, it sounds viable. It's logical, right? Yeah. <laughs> what does your wife do that's cool? Take that. It raises his children. She raises children. Charles and Blaze, this is part of the show we call Your Brother-in-Law. You're sitting at your desk getting some work done when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally he only calls if he wants to invite you to go to the track with him because he's got a hot tip on a horse. But this time it's different. He's got a business proposition for you. Blaze, your brother-in-law says Acadian Ambulance is missing out on significant revenue stream. All of your ambulances buzzing around Louisiana, Mississippi and Texas are painted up with graphic art that covers the whole vehicle. He suggests that you put the word Acadian Ambulance on the vehicle and sell the rest of the space to advertisers like buses. No one thinks any less of a bus because it has ads on, and they wouldn't think any less of an ambulance either. Your brother-in-law is prepared to join the company and head up the ambulance advertising department. What do you tell him? My brother-in-law is phenomenal. I wish you could meet him. Uh, <laughs> no, at first I tell him you need, you're missing an opportunity on plaintiff's attorneys on rolling ambulances because uh, that would probably be a pretty good business idea. But no, I, I think, uh, so has this already been done, or is this... A proposal. A proposal. Yeah, I'd bring them in. Uh, we'd meet. We'd sit down with our marketing and PR folks. We'd sit down with our ambulance operations folks. We, we would sit with all the subject matter experts to go through this as if it was a, a viable, potentially viable uh, thing that we would want to look at. It wouldn't be written off or anything like that. We would have a serious meeting about it, and we'd let our experts kind of speak to the merits of the program, and then we'd have to make a business decision at that point. And is that how you make most of your business decisions? Absolutely. Absolutely. We get... We get a lot of people that come to us a lot of times with different different ways that they can save us money or make us money, and we approach them all the same way, which is, okay, well, if, if it's if it's worth our time, let's get the experts in the room and let's let's have them shoot holes in it and see. And uh, at the end of the day, when you have more people looking at an issue, you're going to have a lot better informed decision than if it's just one person. And so, that could also bring out ideas. If that doesn't work, that can also bring out absolutely. the ideas that if do work. Absolutely, you need work. to pivot and maybe tailor it or change it to 
have some different ideas, absolutely. Because already you're not just an ambulance service, you've got your air medical security, air charter, um, an EMS academy. What's next? I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to put the Finstamaker logo on the ambulance. Like, what is that ideal spot? (laughs) (laughs) You ask what's next. Uh, It's good that we have diversification that we do have, but sometimes that takes away from your core uh, purpose and mission. I think think Arcadian Ambulance, our ambulance is our primary business line, and so that's where a lot of the focus and effort goes into. And our other divisions kind of in some way were formed out of uh, efficiencies that we could you already create. had you could we train your staff we already had dispatchers so we could we could monitor security systems for instance or we already had medics on ambulances so we could provide medics for the offshore safety division so a lot of those I mean they're the perfect grew. pivot examples we already have this oh we could do this too correct and so you know we do look at uh, a different things like that but our big focus right now is growing uh, in the region you know we've got a big footprint in Texas Louisiana Mississippi we really want to make a name for ourselves in the whole Southeast region uh, to be the premier 911 provider uh, for the Southeast region and have our name Acadian associated with that. Is how you measure success monetary or is it, do you always remember at the core you're saving lives? It has to be both for us because we are an ESOP. And a lot of people forget this, but a large majority of our portion of our company is owned by our employees. So we've got to be able to grow and help their retirement. So we have to worry about the financials and everything else. But patient care has always been at the center of our mission. And that, that's what, you know, my dad says in the first 15 years, all we did was take care of patients. And the money making just kind of came. We, we were just breaking even and we never even noticed. But now that we have had some success, we need to watch out for our employees' retirement. So we do have to manage all the facets. But, yes, patient care, if, you, if you're not doing the best thing for the communities you serve, uh, people are going to see that. The patient care piece is the integral piece that we all have to sit in the room and make sure that we start with that and then build the other pieces together. Charles, your brother-in-law says we're on the brink of the next industrial revolution. It's not long now till a 3D printer will be in every home. This is going to be known as the maker generation. Your brother-in-law says you could own this revolution. Your slogan could be, we put the maker in fence to maker. He knows this might sound crazy, but it's also true. The maker revolution is here. Your brother-in-law says he's prepared to head up a maker division of Fence to Maker and roll out the Fence to Maker revolution. What do you tell him? Is it worth looking into? So it's my brother-in-law, right? A pretend brother-in-law, yes, not your actual brother-in-law. brother-in-law. Um, That's the problem with the family I, businesses. Using brother-in-law is really scary. <laughs> first, I'd tell him we, we, we have 3D printing capabilities already, but... Uh, it sounds awfully ambitious. We'd love to hear the plan. First thought is, sounds awfully ambitious. You've always can we print a 3D logo to put on, to put on the, ba- I think the ambulance? The back of the ambulance reversed. Yes. I think that's the best position. Yes. I would grab that on all of them first. If the price is right, we can work on it. You've always been a company, Charles, your company's always been one of the early adopters in technology with automated mapping, smart maps. You use drones a lot now. What's next? What don't we know about? Um, yeah, you mentioned drones. I think that is potentially a game changer in the in the surveying industry and even in the engineering. It's still a developing technology. Um, but the amazing things that you can do with that, with the drone from a surveying perspective, um, and we do a lot of environmental work, so a lot of our uh, 
you know, looking at plants and understanding uh, marsh vegetation and things like that can all be done with drones. And it's, it's, it's here and it's still coming. So I think that is the next big, I guess, game changer in, in our industry. And you still consider it very early in that technology to where yeah. it could go? Yeah, it's, it's, the phone doesn't ring for it yet, if that makes sense. It's starting to, uh, you know, but it, for us, the challenge is it changes the traditional model of sending out a survey crew to collect data to more of a, send out less of a survey crew and fly a drone to collect data. So um, it's both a, a new technology that we're excited about, but also will probably bring some challenges with it. And there's so. a lot of your company that is balancing new technology with your traditional values and the services you provide. Yes. Yeah. Is that something that you consider like, you know, should this technology matter? Are we going to skip this technology and move to the next one? Are we going to keep our traditional skills? Is that a problem you see in the future or something that will be more part of the company, that balance? I think it's a challenge when new technology comes out just to look at how you can adopt it, how that changes your business model. That being said, what's best for our clients is that we evolve. We use later techno newer technology. Uh, efficiencies, any efficiencies. We, we work, uh, typically we, we bill hours. So most of our, our staff, I, I kind of equate us, the easy example would be like a law firm. You know, you bill by the hour. Um, so anything that we can do more efficient is better in our for our clients. So. But you're obviously a company that embraces change because no company lasts from 1950 to now unless yeah. they embrace change. That's true. Um, we enjoy our technology. I mean, I, I, I got harassed in school because I was the, the, the kid in college with the little bitty laptop extra small that you could barely type on or the the, the palm pilot and um, and all of those things were my father's old gizmos that he would eventually pass down on to me but um, yeah we've always embraced what's the latest greatest toys but also what are things that can help us do our business better as the new generation of your companies what personal qualities do you think you bring to each of your companies that they either didn't have or that you're continuing it's funny, I sit around the table at our executive team and I'm the youngest one by, I don't want to guess and make anybody seem <laughs> old, but, I, but, but maybe by 15 years. So I think I, I understand the younger workforce and I challenge the norms that we have against the, the younger workforce and the desires they're going to have. Um, so I think that's an asset that off the top of my head I bring to the table. I'm the exact same way. Uh, our senior management team, yeah, we've got we've got such a uh, long tenured senior management team that we've got people with tenure of 40 years plus, um, which is amazing when you when you think of the loyalty these people uh, have to Acadian Ambulance, and we're forever grateful. And they've got so much knowledge and wisdom that we can learn. So for me, it's soaking in all the wisdom and knowledge that I can get from these people while they're still with the organization. Um, and then trying to build that next generation of loyalty and trust for the new and incoming Because millennials leaders. have changed as a workforce. This is the biggest change for years in the Absolutely. way they want to work and the things they value. Absolutely. Uh, so it's like exactly what Charles mentioned. But at the same time, there is so much wisdom and knowledge in the older generation. And, and it's important for us to, to retain that and, and keep that as a, 
you know, this is where we were and this is where we want to go, but you've got to, you've got to kind of bridge that, I feel like. Yeah, so both, both of you consider yourself a bridge between that, between the I traditional like, yeah. and the new generation that are coming into the workforce. I think I, I can put both lenses on decently well. So um, I'm not a millennial. That. I'm a couple years out of being a millennial. I think I'm a Gen Xer. I don't know what generation I'm in, but it's funny because I was raised by baby boomers, and I kind of feel like I have more in common with them. I have commonalities with a couple of different generational groups, so I think I need to be able to put those different hats on when I'm talking to different groups and try and, um, I guess, manage it that, that way. That's, that's a really interesting concept that that's, that could be both of your pivotal roles in the company is bridging that that new generation gap that I know a lot of companies are struggling with. No matter who we are, we all have advantages and disadvantages in our lives. Over the course of a lifetime, we can change a lot of things about ourselves and our surroundings. One of the things we can't change is our family. Blaze and Charles, stepping into a family business is in one sense a blessing, and in other days of the week it can seem like anything but. Both of you are part of a family companies that you can be justifiably proud of, not just financially, but as part of the Acadiana community. It's been great to meet you, and it would be nice to keep up with you, and I hope that we're still around and going out to lunch when your kids take over the companies. Thank you both today for taking the time to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Yeah. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Charles Fenstermaker, CFO of CH Fenstermaker & Associates, and Blaise Zuslag, Chief of Staff at Acadian Companies. You can find out more about Charles and Blaze's family firms by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Destin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. (laughs) 